1: Our reading today is from the 10th chapter of Mark, verses 35 through 45. You may locate these texts in your pew Bible on page 922. First, let us prepare our hearts to hear God's word. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, we are able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink you will drink and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it is, or it has been prepared. When the ten heard this they began to be angry with James and John so Jesus called them and said to them you know that among the gentiles those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them and their great ones are tyrants over them but it is not so many you or it is not among you but whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever.
0: So Jesus' disciples ask him, can we sit at your right and at your left? And he asked them, Are you able to drink from the cup that I drink and to receive the baptism with which I am baptized? Cup, baptism, it's clearly church metaphor. What James and John are doing, they'll think of it this way. They're calling shotgun. That's what they're doing. They're calling shotgun. And, And Jesus is asking, Can you live the life that I live knowing that in this moment particularly that also means suffering like I suffer? Kind of amazingly, they respond, "Sure, yeah, we could, we can do that, we can do that." No second guessing, no hedging, just yes. So here's the thing: if you read the Gospel of Mark, there is never a moment in the whole story where the disciples shine. Just a few er- verses earlier, Jesus asked them, "So who do you guys think I am?" And Peter says, "Oh, I know. Call on me. You are the Christ." But then immediately. Peter says, but that means you can't suffer. It's not in the job description of Christ to suffer. You can't do that. And Jesus responds to Peter by calling him Satan, which is a bad day. If Jesus calls you Satan, it's a bad day. When Jesus teaches them the parables, they don't have any idea what he's talking about. I don't know what he's talking about. You ask him. I'm not asking him. I don't know. And in this moment, when Jesus is teaching them, if you want to be great, you must be servant of all, they're calling shotgun. Can, can we sit at the head table? We think we should sit at the head table. They are always dancing on the wrong foot. They are always saying the wrong thing they just don't get him it's kind of surprising they just don't get him and this may be one reason that mark is perhaps my favorite gospel i take great comfort in knowing that we don't have to completely get jesus to try to follow him there's some room for slackers Jesus asked these guys, are you able to live my life? Are you able to love the way I love? And they respond without hesitation, yes, sir, you bet, you can count on us, we can do that. It's almost comical. It's like that moment when the preacher stands right here, and the young couple are right in front of him, and the preacher says in all seriousness, do you promise to love in plenty and want? In joy and sorrow and sickness and in health all of your life and every time they say yes <laughs> yeah we will they they never stop and ask how, how much sorrow is involved just just for clarification purposes no they, don't. they, they say yes even not really knowing what all is involved here We could have told these disciples, look, slow down. Loving like Jesus loves in this world is not as easy as we may wish. Not only that, knowing them as he knew them, he knew them better than they knew themselves. Why would Jesus even bother to ask the question? What does he think they're going to say? We're reflecting a bit on character. Last week, I said part of living life of character is knowing what really matters. It's not so hard to choose between the good and the bad. It's choosing among multiple goods, choosing the greatest good. That's what takes discipline and maturity. And when you know that, the greater good, then it has to be chosen. It doesn't just happen. The good doesn't just happen. The common good doesn't just evolve. It must be chosen. So it's still with me, the shooting in New Zealand that's been in the news and the response of that nation to their citizens in the wake of that shooting. They were shocked by this brutal act of violence. We we forget that this kind of violence actually isn't common everywhere. Last October Robert Bowers walked into the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. In a matter of moments he had killed 11 people and wounded six more simply because they were Jewish. Bowers was wounded as well and he was taken to the hospital where he was treated and three of his doctors and nurses were Jewish. Ari Mahler was Bauer's primary hospital nurse, and when he was asked about this, he said, look, I did my job, a job which requires compassion and empathy over everything. Mahler said he thanked me for saving his life and for showing him kindness. I'm sure he had no idea I was Jewish. I chose not to tell him because I wanted him to feel compassion and empathy. And if he finds out I'm Jewish, what difference does it make, really? He said, If my actions mean anything, then love means everything. Now, he could have made some other choices reasonable, good choices. He could have said, look, out of solidarity with my Jewish brothers and sisters, I'm not going to care for you. Somebody else can do that. Get one of your kind to do that. No one would blame him. But instead, he made a different choice, a harder choice, no doubt. Good like that always has to be chosen. It doesn't just happen. Now our rabbi asked, are you able to live my life? Are you able to love like I love? His followers responded, yeah, we're able. Count us in. We're good. Of course, we know that when Jesus was arrested, they fled and hid in the shadows. Loving like Jesus, It's not as easy as we want it to be. And I think one of the reasons is this kind of love, this kind of character begins by valuing others first. It's counterintuitive for us. The the culture as a whole begins by valuing self first. There, There are even some that teach us that's how we're supposed to live. If if you do what's good for you and I do what's good for me and everyone does what's good for themselves, then the common good is just going to emerge. It just happens. Everything works that way. But our history with each other indicates it's just not that simple. It's not that easy. It's more complicated than that and that the greatest good, it has to be chosen. It happens when we prioritize the neighbor. V- Viktor Frankl, Victor Frankl was a Jewish psychiatrist in Vienna and was rounded up by Nazis chanting blood and soil as they marched him to the camps in 1942. It obviously changed his life and his outlook. And Frankl said he learned in the camps that life simply can't first be about my passion. It's not just about my passion. He said he learned to ask not what do I want from life, but what does life require of me? Frankl's own sense was that the circumstances of his life had given him an assignment. He had a moral task to which he was obligated. He had responsibility. I, I think the way Frankl was describing his life is the way Jesus describes you and me when he says, we have a calling or a vocation. We have a calling. Ari Mahler got that. He said, Look, I did my job. It requires compassion and empathy above everything. In some sense, loving like Jesus loves, it's not our passion, it's our job. Frederick Beekner is given the most famous definition of calling or vocation anywhere in a little book entitled Wishful Thinking. He said, your calling occurs when your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Where your gladness and the world's hunger meet. I love that definition and I so wish it were true, but it's wrong moses would not have described his calling as where his deep gladness and the world's need met jeremiah would not have described his calling as where his deep gladness and the world's need met jeremiah said he'd rather die actually than have this calling and jesus actually did die because of his calling a calling isn't always about our bliss. Sometimes it's just our job. It's not always about what the world gives to us. Sometimes it needs to be about the world, what the world needs from us. And that's hard. It's hard, and it's so hard, you almost wonder, what was Jesus thinking, really, when he asked, can you love like I love? What did he expect us to say? You would think he knew that they, when the shadow of the cross reached them, they would scatter. So I was in a conversation with a new friend this week. He's a pastor in another city, and he he was leading a conversation in town and being attentive to the fact that Christianity in America. Is withering. It's declining. It's not. It's not our story here at Village, but it's the story of the church in America and many places. As a matter of fact, our our presbytery here, the 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 Presbyterians in this region of Kansas City, in Heartland Presbytery, over the last six years, Heartland Presbytery has lost twenty five percent of its membership in six years and anyone with a blog or a website offers reasons and causes and solutions but i wonder if one reason is as a whole the church hasn't been paying attention to our calling if we've gotten so concerned about the state of ourselves that we fail to ask what does the world really need from us for a generation for the generation of my ministry the primary theological concern of the church has been about sexuality our methodist brothers and sisters are caught up in that now it is no time for us to gloat it wasn't that long ago we were caught up in it but while we worried about this, while we worried about this, the Middle East has been crumbling. In Africa, every day there are children who die, hundreds of children who die simply because they don't have access to water. Just water. We continue to watch our neighbors being gunned down in senseless shooting, and our government leaders seem mostly apathetic. Apparently it's okay We witness fires and storms and floods and too many are willing to gamble that the science is wrong And we can just buy our way out of the effects of climate change For decades now the prosperity of this country has increasingly concentrated leaving far too many to live on wages that are unlivable We've witnessed in recent years an increasingly open and bold racist America, leaving me to admit that I was naive in thinking that this nation had committed herself to reject such bigotry. More and more our youth are battling depression and anxiety. Our sisters and our daughters experience violence and demeaning behavior at work and school the list of those who need our food pantry shows no end I could go on you could too but what it raises for me is I worry that the church in America has chosen to worry about the sexual orientation of our pastors or whose love is worthy of marriage or whose kindergartners can get into school, I think we've we've paid attention to the wrong things. I, I think we've paid attention to the wrong things. And I think one of the consequences is there are a lot of folks that look at the church in this country and say if that's all it is to follow jesus why should i give my time now look before you think i have completely gone off the deep end before you think i've just had a bad week and got a vent a little bit let me say this i am not suggesting that it's up to us to fix the world i know the problems in the world are too big for that and i know the problems in our own hearts are too big for that i'm not lacking humility when it comes to the impact we can have on big problems in life i'm just saying we need to be in the battle and i know this jesus asked his disciples Are you able to love like I love? And I think he was serious when he asked him. My friend Dan Vigilantes, he's in my Movable Feast group, and he pointed out something in this text. He said, Jesus tells them, you're right, you will You will drink from my cup. You will share in my baptism. And Dan says, it's not a threat. It's actually a promise. He said, evidently, Jesus simply won't give up on the possibility that someday we will choose to love like he loves. Jesus just won't give up on his dreams of who we can actually be. And maybe... An important step for us to get there is he wants us just to say it out loud to say it out loud to him and to one another and to the world yes yes we will love like you love yes God help us we are able at some point or another Jesus asked all of us that are you able knowing full well that we have no idea whether we are or whether we aren't we say yes knowing that there's really nothing else we can say i mean what else would we say and you may not think about it this way but this is why i need to hang out with you this is why I need this church because you do pay attention to the big things. You do endeavor to love. You do endeavor to choose the greater goods and when I'm not so sure about myself you will do something that inspires me again or shows me the way last week after the terrible shooting at Christ Church Jennifer Strattinger, a member of this church she and a friend of hers who happens to be Jewish were having a conversation, and they just said, we've got to do something. We've, we've got to do something, and what, what, do you, what do you do? So they bought some cards and some flowers, and they they drove down to the Islamic Center here in Kansas City. They arrived just as some whiz- women were emerging from prayer. The women invited Jennifer and her friend in. They explained, they said, look, we don't, we don't really know why we're here. We just, we just came to say we're sorry about this. And we hate it happened. And we hope that you're not afraid. And our faith teaches us that we should be kind to one another and accepting of one another. These Muslim women were overcome. you know when the world announces that you are hated there need to be voices in the world that announce you are loved and that's what they did they chose that sending a message of love is power now it isn't going to change everything right away but it is our job and at times, it is our joy. I think every Sunday we are surprised to hear him again ask us, Are you able? You know why he keeps asking, right? He keeps asking because he just won't give up on his belief. someday we will be we're on the way someday we will be maybe he just wants us to say it out loud to to him and and to one another and to the world yes we are able to love like you love at least we want to be able So we say it over and over and over again until bit by bit and beat by beat the rhythms of our hearts align with His. Are you able? Yes. What else would we say? Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief.